0: Good morning, Word Serve Nation. Pastor John here, and I get to have the honor of sharing the word this morning. So, as you are aware, we have been in our series called Trials and Temptations. And um, what is a trial? What is a temptation? What is a test in our faith? Well, these are the times in our lives when we're faced with faith decisions, circumstances that challenge our commitment to being faithful to God. And so sometimes we call it a test, sometimes it's a trial, sometimes it's a temptation, and it can come from all different directions. And as we look uh, for a model on how to deal with these uh, tests and trials and temptations, we find that uh, Jesus uh, in the desert, right before he began his ministry, is a great place to start. And so our series revolves around that. And as you may be aware, we have... um, we've been looking at uh, Jesus' uh, temptation by Satan uh, while he's in the desert for 40 days. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at bread. Last week, uh, Bill uh, walked us through safety. And today we look at status, and uh, food, safety, and status. Now, what's amazing about this is how close this resembles uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And even though it's not a a biblical model per se, it's a helpful one that may be accurate in describing the human condition. And so as we look at this, we see that Maslow is saying the most basic needs that any human has are the physiological. It's air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, uh, the ability to reproduce. And then once they have that, their concerns go up a level to safety needs. So do they have personal security? Do they have employment? Do they have resources at hand and health and property, things that allow them to uh, look to higher needs like love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, uh, a sense of being connected to somebody, a a life beyond ourselves. And then it goes to esteem. Esteem, uh, Maslow describes as respect or self-esteem, status which we're looking at today, and recognition, uh, strength, freedom. And if all of these needs are being met, uh, physiological safety, love and belonging, esteem, you get to a place where most of us want to be. And that is what he calls self-actualization, which is the desire to become the most that one can be. And most of us long for that, but we can't ever get to that place without um addressing these needs that are more foundational to that and so when when we look at this model we're not saying hey this is the biblical model what we're saying is it describes uh the human condition out of one specific model and when we lay this over the biblical story of Jesus temptation in the desert we see that this is happening right what is the first temptation it's for food it's for bread the physiological needs the next one is Is for safety Um, and challenging Jesus to, hey, you know what? Um, Your scripture says that angels can save you. So why don't you throw yourself down and test God's safety net for you, right? And then it jumps up to status, which we're looking at today. So as as we see these things, um, it's helpful to keep that in mind as we go through this passage. Now, here's a picture of Jesus in the wilderness that I absolutely love. Um, Why do I love this? Um, It's a a painting um, because Jesus is alone. He's uh, in some ways prayerful and despondent, as most of us are in desert and wilderness times. And it reflects a lot of who we might be in those times as well. And when we look at status, um, we might define status um, in some ways as a good thing, in some ways as a bad thing. Status could be uh, the relative social, professional understanding of someone or something, right? So it's how we fit in with the world around us in terms of relationships. And there's a good part to status, mainly that our relationships help determine who we are. Our relationships speak into us and help form our identity. The bad part of status is that we can reach a point where we desire the approval of others to the point that we no longer want to be the person that God created us to be. Right? So, resting on relationships um, can cut both ways. It can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. And today we're looking specifically with the struggle with the bad portion of that right and if we understand that and we're able to resist that then we can move into the good part of status so struggle with status Um, what does that mean Uh, you know most of us can look at the world around us and we uh, see um, that there's all kinds of status struggles right in fact if you are free from the temptation to status um you need to call me because I will have you do this sermon. Uh, It is uh, something that everybody struggles with. It's part of being human. Um, It's anything from what kind of car we drive to how big a home we have, what neighborhood we live in, where our kids go to school, how many social media likes and shares we have, um, even to uh, reputation, how people view us and uh, see us in society. Uh, We know from studies that status is a universal desire of people. um, Everybody wants to be respected and admired. They uh, want to be uh, high in social value. We we also know that a lot of anxiety comes with status. And there was a study um, uh, many years ago about uh, even home values and how home values are related to status anxiety. And so when, when we think about status, it, it is such a huge thing, but it's one that all of us struggle with, and the need to be approved and or seen well by others is at the heart of it. And so as we begin to unpack the scripture of Jesus in the wilderness, um, we'll, we'll come around to status, um, but first we want to focus on this passage And see what it's saying to us and how God is speaking to it through us. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. And as we look at this passage, we see um, uh, the three things, right? The first temptation is bread. After fasting for 40 days, Jesus is tempted by Satan to satisfy his hunger. The second one is safety. Uh, Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple and uh, invites him, challenges him, uh, tests him. Saying, "Hey, throw down yourself and see if your angels will save you," and then this uh, passage, this portion of the passage, um, the devil takes him to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. That's the important part, right? It's not just about kingdoms; it's about the glory that comes with it. And he says, "I'll give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me." And of course, Jesus says. Um, be away with me, Satan, uh, for scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So as we get into this passage, I want you to know there is a deeper reality this passage than we often give credit for. Um, we see Jesus in the wilderness being tested, and uh, here's kind of what's happening in Matthew. Um, there's a baptism. Jesus comes to the baptism to be baptized by John the Baptist, right? and uh, after he goes through the waters, you have the heavens open up and a a dove comes down and you hear this voice from heaven. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. After that, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days where he undergoes a series of testing. And then once he comes out the other side um, of that testing and of that wilderness time, he uh, begins a new era of God's kingdom and begins his ministry. Now, what's amazing about this is how parallel this is to Israel's history. And if we look at Israel's history, we find something very similar. Israel was in slavery, if you remember, and Moses led them out of slavery, and they crossed the waters of the Red Sea. And once they're in the wilderness, uh, uh, in Exodus, but also in other places, we see that God refers to um, God refers to Israel as my son. Several times. In fact, in uh, Exodus it refers to Jesus uh, or Israel as my firstborn son. And then they're in the wilderness for 40 years, where there's multiple times of testing, um, manna, snakes, all kinds of stuff. And once that period of 40 years in the wilderness is done, they enter the promised land. Moses doesn't lead them into it, Moses uh, dies before they enter the promised land. But once they enter the promised land, they begin a new era of God's kingdom on earth. And so in Matthew, this This parallel is is very significant. Um, Why? Well, for a couple of reasons. One is, we can see here, that where Israel failed, Jesus is now successful. And if you remember the three temptations that we just read, two of those begin with Satan saying, if you are the son of God right? So here, uh, even Satan recognizes that here's an emissary of God, an ordained one of God, an anointed one of God, um, proclaiming these things of God. And, and even Satan is like, all right, we need to prove your mettle. And so if you are the son of God, then you'll be faithful. Why? Because Moses and Israel failed in the wilderness during the testing but Jesus was successful and was faithful to God in the midst of the testing, and that proves his sonship. So what does that mean? It means several things about Jesus. One is Jesus is more than Moses. Uh, Moses was a prophet, and Moses even spoke of the prophet who is coming after him, who's greater than him, And, and Matthew portrays Jesus as that prophet the prophet who is more than Moses. In fact, Luke does as well. And even in Acts, um, you you have this understanding of Jesus as being more than Moses. In fact, the fulfillment of Moses. Um, He's also the faithful son of God where Moses failed and Israel failed. Uh, Jesus is faithful. He's proven himself to be and earned the title of son of God. And of course, you have the fulfillment of Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment. Fulfillment of Israel. So Israel finds its ultimate identity in the very person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is now coming on earth to be the representative of God when Israel used to be. And so Jesus came into Israel, was part of Israel, and in that way came out of Israel and fulfilled the, the fullness of Israel's purpose. And of course, Jesus is a promised agent of God. So, now why is that important? Um, well, because of all of these things, we can trust Jesus. And when I say trust Jesus, we, we kind of have a uh, minimized sense of trust in our society today. i um, give you a great example. Um, my, my oldest son, Noah, and I went on a road trip to Ohio. He was in a national shooting tournament. And so we. We drove to Ohio. Now, Noah is a fantastic driver. He's an incredibly capable driver, and I trust him to drive. Um, And so he drove quite a bit of the way, and we actually drove through the night. But I couldn't sleep through the night while Noah was driving. But John, you just said you trust him to drive. I do, but I don't trust him enough to rest while he is driving through the night. And that's kind of how we are a lot with Jesus. We're like, yeah, Jesus, I trust you to drive as long as I'm watching and I'm making sure it's okay. In reality, trust, the biblical understanding of trust says, it's okay. Jesus has this. You can rest. You can rest from your worries because he can drive you through the dark time. So we can trust him, right? Because of who Jesus is. And we can endure testing. We can endure the testing and the trials that come in our lives because Jesus gives us not just a model, but once we put our faith in him, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit enters us and empowers us to do greater things than even Jesus did. And that's, that's Jesus' promise to us. And so we can endure the testing that we go through, uh, because Jesus endured the testing, and through faith in him, we experience the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. All right, so what does this have to do with status? I mean, seriously, how, how do we resist status temptations? Okay, status, oh my goodness, I could go on forever about status, but I won't, but um, we actually have the answer in Jesus' response to Satan and and there are two things that are there. He says this, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him, and I want us to unpack those two words because they're so significant in the Christian faith. The first one is worship. You must worship the Lord your God. Worship actually comes from the Greek word proskuneis. Um, I know it sounds kind of weird, um, but proskuneis uh, or proskuneo is a verb form, literally means to kiss toward another person. And so we see this in some societies or in ancient ways where they bow down in honor and they kiss feet of the people that are in honor. And so uh, we we see a depiction of that, right, in worship of someone bowing down. I mean, they're, they're laying before God in honor. Um, in the New Testament, and in ancient literature, this was not reserved just for gods, but for um, people of honor, royalty, magistrates, um, people who are well-respected, military heroes, uh, all kinds of people, uh, uh, someone that you serve. So coming before and and kissing toward or bowing down towards in an honor um, was a very common thing back then. And... And here, Jesus is saying, you must worship the Lord your God. You must proskuneis the Lord your God. You must kiss toward, bow toward. And and really, this is about our approach to God with our heart and our mind. It's that vertical relation with God, right? Um, When we approach God and we say, man, God, I want to recognize who you are. We pour ourselves into the scripture and see what it says about who God is. We suddenly realize that our heart and our minds are changing, and we begin to see something different because how we understand God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is vastly significant in how we live out our life and undergo testing and temptation. So, the other word is serve him only. And that word serve is la trousseis, right? Um, la trousseis is the, the Greek word, and it literally means to accomplish a task. And, and we might say this is do the service of God, right? Now, this isn't in order to be approved by God or in order to have salvation from God. The New Testament is incredibly clear, clear. you cannot earn. Salvation. The only thing you can do um, in order to be right with God is to say, Jesus, I need you. You just say yes to Jesus. And once you do that, there is a sense of obligation out of giving your life to somebody now that's in the driver's seat, right? And we now do things for God not in order to earn approval from God, right? It's not another status competition. But we do things for God out of our gratitude for what God has done for us. And so this La says is fascinating because it talks about accomplishing a task. We're doing the work of God. And so um, we might see uh, different things that we do. Word service, fantastic at this. I mean, we, we do a lot for God. We get our hands dirty. We serve others. We, we um, in some ways, subject ourselves to others' needs. And in doing so, what happens? We see that we become the hands and feet of Christ. What we do, it's that, that horizontal relationship with, with society around us. And how we react in the world because of God is incredibly significant. And so here's the cool thing. Um, how, do we, how do we deal with status temptations? How do we do, deal with that constant nagging of, man, I just, I just need to be seen better. I need to be liked more. I, I need to have more so that people will see me as someone better than I am. And here's the answer to that. You worship and you serve. Now, what might that look like? Worship? Well, we, we spend time with God. If we can't spend time with God, then we don't fully understand who God is, and that transformation never happens to where we experience the fullness of what He's invited us into. But our relationship, that vertical relationship, um, is important there, and we serve because we are the hands and feet of Christ. And so we we serve reaching out beyond ourselves. And so it's how we honor God and how we live for God. And these two are inseparable. If we want to uh, learn how to deal with status temptations, right? So when we honor God, it determines our perspective, our outlook. We're more concerned about kingdom things, not earthly things. The person of Christ and His heart and character become more important in our lives so the trappings of status don't enter into our value system. And then how we live for God, uh, what we do is submitting to others' needs. Somehow, um, Somehow it reminds us of our station in life as followers of Jesus, and that is a servant. And because of that, we have nothing to prove nothing to prove except the love of God. And that's the beauty of this. The answer is so simple. Someone once said, um, John, you have really complex answers to simple questions. And and that's true. I mean, I kind of find myself oftentimes wandering in the gray. I love the mystery of God. And so I, I love to go places where most people don't. In thinking about God and, and tend to be abstract and stuff that bores people. But here's a cool thing about God um, God gives simple answers to complex realities. God gives simple answers to complex questions. And so most of us wrestle with this issue man, what do I do about status? It's all around us. Who has the nicest car? Who has the nicest house? Um, Are you upgrading? Yada, yada, yada. And he says, you must worship and serve. That's it. Learn to do those things well and you will see the status temptations start to fade away and become much less significant. I don't know about you, but Sometimes I feel like I'm um, constantly struggling with these things. Maybe that's why I relate to Jesus in this. Um, Many of you know I struggle with depression. It's an ongoing thing. Um, And and so I find the wilderness experiences giving me a great opportunity to press more into Christ and, and to learn what it meant to really struggle. And with status, man, who doesn't want to be approved by others? But here's the good news Jesus went there and he conquered it. He resisted. And because of that, we can too. We don't have to enter into those dark places hopeless. All we got to do is just close our eyes and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I don't want to succumb to the temptations that the world has. Why? Because I know if I do, it leads to a spiral of despair and destruction that you don't want for me. In a moment, um, Clayton is going to lead us in a song that uh, talks about I'd rather have Jesus. And I, I want us to reflect on the words that are there um, that we're going to be singing. And um, I'd love for you to read these with me. And so as you're watching, Um, read these with me. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. Yes, I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway i'd rather have jesus than anything this world affords today i'd rather have jesus than worldly applause i'd rather be faithful to his dear cause i'd rather have jesus than worldwide things i'd rather be true to his holy name here's what i'd like us to do as we enter this time of worship um, may may this be our prayer. Yeah, may, maybe we're not to that place where we'd rather have Jesus than all of that. But maybe this can be the prayer of, man, I really, I would like to see God's blessings in that, um, through that, that different way of approaching God. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer as we sing, as we offer our hearts to God and as we seek to live out his grace in our lives.